Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives, inspiring Christ followers to join Jesus in his mission in their everyday lives. Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives. I'm Michael Brewer. This is John Whaley. John, I hope you had a great Christmas. I did, man. I had a great Christmas, and I um, hope you did too, my friend. Yes, sir. Well, uh, this day after Christmas, we're glad you joined us today. And uh, Rooftop Perspectives has a prayer life from John and I that we want you to be inspired, to be inspired to join Jesus in his mission where you live, work, and play. So we hope that you've had a wonderful Christmas with your family, with your friends, and that you will join us over the next two weeks as we begin to turn our attentions towards prayer. John, tell our guest a little bit more about who we're going to be hearing the next couple of weeks. Amen. Thanks, Michael. I mean, it's hard to believe, but next week is New Year's, and next week begins 2024. And a few weeks ago, as I was praying into the new year, Michael, one of the things I always begin to pray into at the end of a year is, God, uh, what what do you want me to pray into into a, a new year? You know, what what is a word or a, a scripture passage, something you want to give me? And as I was praying about 2024, I kept hearing the word more, that God was saying more. And, and I'm still praying into all that that means, but I do know this. He's until he is telling me to encourage people in 2024 um, to have a greater focus and commitment to prayer, to press into God more, to spend more time praying over the word of God, to have more conversational prayer with God and and, and more time praying with others, just more prayer. And, and that, of course, leads to the question, Michael, that everybody always asks, and that is, what is prayer? So as I've said many times, you know, prayer, I believe, is probably the most misunderstood and underutilized gift in the life of most Christians. So over the next two weeks, we're going to be taking a closer look at prayer by replaying two conversations that we've had, of course, in the past with um, two wonderful men of God, um, good friends, um, Dr. Doug Small and Brian Heasley. So today we begin with Dr. Doug Small. Doug and I have been friends for a number of years, worked on a number of different prayer initiatives, including one that I'll tell you about at the end of our time together today. Um, He's the founder and president of Project Pray, a ministry dedicated to serving as a catalyst for a great awakening in America and around the world. In 2022, Doug and I sat down for a conversation about prayers, an amazing conversation in which Doug shares some invaluable insights about prayer that maybe you've never considered. So without any further introduction, uh, enjoy this conversation that I had in 2022 with Doug Small. Well, Doug, thanks for joining us today. Um, As I shared with our audience earlier, um, you and I go back a number of years. Um, You probably remember some of those details about how we met in Double Springs, Alabama, back in like 2007 or 2008, um, wow. you know, it's um, I remember I remember a number of pastors had heard you speak at a conference and they came back and insisted that we bring Doug Small to Winston County, Alabama. To the uh, to the free state of Winston. Yes, to the free state of Winston. 
um, which is a whole story in an interview in and of itself. Um, but um, and we did. We did. Um, you came back several times. Um, we had that big tent meeting um, yep. there on the actual the school grounds um, and churches from all across the county came together had some incredible times of prayer and prayer walking. And out of that birthday prayer movement, um, we had, you know, sometimes 30, 40 pastors gathering every month, praying together. We had pastors weekly prayer walking their towns together. And out of that, a ministry center was birthed. And man, those are some, some great, great memories. So I, and that's how we met. And, um, and wow, what a journey God has had us on um, since those days um, across the globe and across America. So thank you for taking time today to join us. And we just want to talk about prayer today. Um, that's um, that's really the topic because, you know, one of the things we do at the rooftop is we're constantly taking people to rooftops, high places, having them look at over their city and, and, and say, Lord, you know, what do you see when you see our city? And we want to hear your voice. But one of the challenges we've discovered is that so often we will bring people to um, we'll bring people to a rooftop to pray. And we've discovered that that when you start talking about hearing the voice of God, listening to the voice of God and prayer itself, it's obvious that some have a less than solid understanding of what prayer is. And I believe that's one of the, the greatest crises we're facing in the church today is um, this even among pastors, this, this shallow understanding of prayer. Um, and I would just love as we begin, before we even talk about what prayer is, I would love to hear you just speak into that, about that crisis we're facing and what you see as the state of the church today in the area of prayer and how that's impacting the church. Well, I just came from studio and cutting a couple of videos for a, for a weekly school of prayer that we do. But this chapter was on the Celtics notion of thin places. Mm. And for the Celtics, uh, there were, there were to say it in the broadest sense, there were places where they argued that you felt arguably closer to God. And all of us have had that sense of some mountaintop vista or some oceanside uh, thing. In the Old Testament, prayer is, uh, and the presence of God is associated with a place. The temple, the tabernacle, the glory, the fire. But in the New Testament, it's associated with a person. In the, in the beginning was the Word. The Word became flesh, dwelt amongst us. When we beheld the glory, the glory tabernacled among us. But the shift from place to person is in order to get to people. We are the people of God's presence. And there is nothing more at the heart of being the people of God's presence than a life of communion with God, living a life of communion with God. The Apostolic Church uh, had uh, seven or eight hours of prayer during the day. I mean, I have 24 hours. They prayed at 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, moon, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, dusk, midnight. Wow. Uh, and and they, so they developed in their life a rhythm of stopping to pray. And, and in the monasteries, some of those were hours of prayer. Some of those were, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of, of prayer. But th these mark the day. Wesley prayed at the top of every hour, but not without spending an hour of prayer in the morning with himself and God, and another hour, if possible, with someone else. This is just uncommon to us. Is we don't understand that idea. Back to the Celtics notion of thin places is, as you go back to uh, 
to, to the Bethel principle, Beth house, El God. Jacob has this dream and he says, God is in this place and I didn't even know it. And that's often true of us. And there's a ladder and angels are coming and going. And Jesus says to Nathaniel, he said, you're going to see the heavens open. What Jacob only dreamed about, I want to make a reality. And it is no longer from a place that angels are coming and going. It is from a person. In Matthew 18, Jesus makes it clear. It's people who are converted, who have the capacity to change. They're in a process of change. And, and people who are humble like children. And in that sense, we become the thin space. In intercessory ministry, joining Jesus in prayer, we become the thin uh, place through which God reveals himself to other people. The thin place which by our gift of prayer to others or our rooftop prayer, God invades and shows us things that we couldn't see. Or we connect people who feel alienated from him to his presence. And that's just that one dimension of prayer. That's just, um, that's just presence and intercessory purpose and mission and mission in, in, our, in our life. The heart of prayer is worship. The edge of prayer is mission. Right. And in between, exactly. God meets our needs. That's exactly right. And, and and it's sad because there's so many Christians, so many churches that don't understand that. I mean, because they approach prayer and they approach it with their list. You know, they have they have their their checkoff boxes of the things that I need God to do for me today. And, and, and I wrote this in my journal several months ago. God, God spoke to me about this whole thing of listening and listing. Um, and, 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 and so one of the things I wrote down was um, that, that prayer is more about listening than listing and making a list. But if, if we don't pray, we start listing like a boat that begins to lose it, and, its bearing. And we, should, and we should say to people, there's nothing wrong with, list I have a list on the wall in my prayer room exactly. but lists tend to force us into transactional prayer even noble business with god when the real heart of prayer has to be transformation i'm the real problem i'm the i'm the beginning of my list and the end of my list because yeah. the real problem <laughs> is that god would change and transform me and that is about his transforming uh, uh presence and I think it's in that encounter with him and his presence that my life takes on the purpose and meaning that brings the fulfillment to my life. And yet that's not, the, that's not what I'm praying about directly, but that's the immediate fruit of such, of such uh, non-list-based praying. Well, I love what you said a moment ago, and I want you to speak more into that. You know, the heart of prayer is communion um, be, because I think for so many people, the heart of prayer is they tend to focus on petition and intercession and, and they're missing, even with pastors, I believe this happens. Um, I, I talked to so many pastors. It's, it's almost, you know, as you well know, it's, it's scary when you start looking at the percentage of pastors that have a daily time with God yeah. and, and it's, and it's a small number. Um, and, and I, and I really want you to speak into that prayer at the heart, that that whole communion, that prayer is all about that worship, that communion. And then out of that flows everything else. So if you draw a bullseye 
in, in, in Paul's concise theology of prayer, and I think it really is important that we identify that he's writing to Timothy. It's a pastoral epistle, so it's not a normal epistle. It's Timothy. This is how you set up a church. This is how you structure a church, Timothy. And, and first of all, let's go to the prayer piece. That's what he does. First of all, let's go to the prayer piece. And then he mentions four things. Now, he could have mentioned 30. He could have mentioned 25, 30 prayer words, but he doesn't. Nor does he say to Timothy, I, I think I think it's hard for me to tell you, Timothy, how important prayer is. He doesn't mention one word. He gives us four. And he gives us really a continuum of prayer. We start in petition. All of us do. God save me. I'm a sinner. But we get stuck there. Mm-hmm. We get stuck in petitionary prayer. That's the list. That's the needs. Uh, we get stuck in infant Child prayer, we get stuck in adolescent prayer. You pray with the heart of a child, but you don't pray with the mind of a child. You, you pray with the mind of Christ, and that comes out of Scripture. Uh, the second word that he uses is prosuke, which is only used of approaching God's a worship word. Mm. The third word that he uses is intercession. Now that my roots are deep in worshipful prayer, I can reach over the cliff and begin to pull others out of the fire, hating the garment spotted with the flesh. And this is the noble side of intercession. This is not just, I'm praying for your needs, will you pray for my needs? That's what's happening in the church. This is missional prayer. And then and then he la- then the last thing he says is thanksgiving or Eucharistia, which colors or flavors all of our prayer. Because unless you believe that God is good, you'll never be effective in your prayer life. You can't pray effectively to a God whose love for you, you doubt. So it's good, 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 very good in Genesis, and Adam doesn't see it. And that becomes the stumbling point for the fall. It always is. Prayer begins with the goodness of God. It's not faith in the ability of God that we lack. It's, It's strangely faith in the character of God. So you draw this bullseye. So intercession is the outer edge of the bullseye. It's it's way in and out, saved and lost, light and dark. So you can't center your prayer life there. Petition is deprivation needs. So both intercession and petition are problem-based praying, transactional praying. You have to come over to the center. Well, what's the center? Well, the center is prosuke. The center is presence-based praying. I'm not coming to you because I got a problem, although I do. I'm not coming to you because other people have problems, although they do. (laughs) I'm coming to you because I need so much your presence. It's not seeking the hand of God. It's seeking the, the face of God. And in that, everything changes. Let's talk about worship for a moment. You know, the word, uh, um, proscunio means to kiss the hand or really to bow or And its blatant meaning is to prostrate one. So if we said, uh, if all worship at church on Sunday was people on their face, we would draw less people than we're drawing after COVID or during COVID. Yeah. And so when, when the English translators approached this word, they thought, well, that is just too intense. So they chose the word worth-ship. It's a different meaning, and yet it gets us to some extent, to the same place. Proscunio is the action whereby we show the worth that we ascribe to God. We kiss the hand, we bow, we get on our face. But but the heart of that, the value system itself, is described in worth-ship. 
So pushing back the raising of hands and as we Pentecostals do and the swaying back and forth and all those things in worship, pushing those back, that's not worship. That is the expression of worship. Yes, that's right. Worship is deeper. Worship is what is worth the most to you and what does your life revolve around? So if God is not worth the most to you, and I'll offend somebody by saying this, if you can't pray in the morning, if you don't get up and pray in the morning, then God is really not worth a lot to you. He's not worth five minutes to you. He's not worth 10 minutes to you. He's not worth 30 minutes to you. I mean, that's mean. But that's the notes that you sent me to say here because you said, I don't want to offend anybody myself, so why don't you say this? Yeah. So, so you, yeah. If, you're not, if you're not behaving your beliefs, you don't believe your beliefs. So if God is really worth more to us than anything, so we're really we're 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 ready to burn the boats because we're not going back. Then that expresses itself in time with God, time before God, not list praying where we're talking to God and giving Him instructions of how He could show us His love. Mm-hmm. But the real question, and you see it twice in the Book of James, chapter four, and you see it in Hebrews eleven six, is God, how do I please you? You've done so much for me already. How do I please you? It's, it's living a life that's pleasing God. You are my beloved son in whom, whom I am well pleased. This has to become the driving force of my prayer life, that I value God, that I worship him, that he means so much to me that I organize my whole life around it. But I can't do that by myself. So in prayer, I'm not only given the focus for my day, but I'm given the fire and the power to live out that principle uh, by the by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's wonderful. So, so we're having right now Christians who are watching this, and and some of them are, are sitting there saying, "Man, I want that. I want that kind of prayer life, um, that conversational." What what John Eldridge talks about that conversational intimacy with God, which begins in that time of prayer each day. Um, it's, you know, one of the things that I talk about so often with Christians, you know, the Christian life is very intentional. And, 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 a, and a huge part of that walking with intentionality is you set that time aside every day to spend time with God. Um, but, but there are those that are watching that are probably saying, well, I, I want that, but where do I even begin? What does that look like? What's, what's some starting places to begin developing this daily rhythm of being with God one-on-one by myself and pursuing his presence. And, 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 and in that, of course, I'm, I'm sharing my heart. I'm sharing my needs. I'm sharing my burdens. What does that, what does that look like? Where do they begin? Number one, Matthew six, Jesus says, when you pray, enter into your closet. Now the closet was the only door that was lockable typically in the uh, first century home. And it was really the place where goods were stored. So to be fair to the text, it was not a special place of prayer because their homes were not large homes like we're blessed with to live in today. But I I would say, number one, create a place of prayer, sanctify a holy place. It can be a corner. It can be a closet. uh, It can be a spare bedroom. Uh, God convicted me a number of years ago and I uh, built a room right off my study downstairs. I've I've got a walkout basement. I built a room, it's eight by eight, and uh, put carpet in, put a drop ceiling in, and uh, 
and I go there, I go there to pray. If, you, if I walk in there now, it's got about four Bibles laying open on the floor. Number one place. Because if you have a place, it calls you. Every day when you pass that place, it calls you. Now, that's contradictory because the power is not in the place. Jesus said, if you go into your closet, the God who is in secret, who sees in secret, he's hiding. He will reward you, what? Openly. The secret to encounters with God on aisle three at Walmart in the middle of the day is a private time in the morning when nothing seemed to happen. And if you try to make this tentilating, scintillating, powerful, uh, whatever, it'll just beg you to move further and further into fanaticism. Don't do that. What do you do when you go into that private place? Well, Lectio Divino, a great model for, for, for prayer, is get a passage of scripture, a bite-sized passage, three to five verses, a psalm, and read it. Read it a couple of times and then reflect on it. And then wrestle with it a little bit. Pray it back to God. Mm. Lord, you are my shepherd. You should be my shepherd. You're not my shepherd. I don't let you lead me. I try to lead you. You wrestle with it. You, you just wrestle with that psalm a little bit or that passage of scripture. You want to pray the Bible. You will get closer to God. And you'll hear God's word more clearly when you pray God's word than any other than any other way. So read it a couple times. Reflect on it. What are the big ideas? What word stump, uh, jumps out? What phrase jumps out? Wrestle with that a little bit. God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me right, right now? And, and after you've done that for, for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, you, you know, time, park that Bible on your lap and rest. Don't run off. Say to God, I want to hear your voice. The most important thing in prayer is not what we say to God. It's putting ourselves in a place and frame of mind where he can talk to us. Genesis chapter one, who does the talking? It's God, not man. Genesis chapter two, who does the talking? It's God. Exactly. It's not man. Well, what does he say? Well, the law of first mention, that becomes very important. Well, he blesses. Mm-hmm. And the word bless is Barak. It means me. It implies prayer. What are the blessings that I'm missing? By not getting on my knees and beginning my day in prayer and being quiet and saying, God, speak to me. And a blessing is not a blessing until it's pronounced. The second thing that God does is he sets boundaries. And prayer itself is a means by which you bound your life. You create a boundary around your time. And in that sense, John, I'm convinced that when I that when I put a boundary around 15 minutes in the morning, around 30 minutes in the morning, around an hour in the morning, I'm actually putting a boundary around my entire day. I'm inviting the presence of God, the protection of God, the provision of God, all of that into my day. So so you want to read, you want to engage God over an open Bible. You want to read it, you want to reflect on it, you want to reason out loud. Not loudly, but out loud. You want to hear yourself saying, God, I want you to be my shepherd. Whatever I face today, whatever valley I'm going through, I want to be right on your heels as a lead sheep. And uh, and then you want to be quiet. God, what are you saying to me? What am I facing today? What do I need today that I don't have? And then you want to be renewed in that. You want to become that. And then after you've prayed that, after you've made prayer about his word, the principles of his word and his presence, 
after you've reaffirmed his love for you and your love for him, and after you've repented, I'm laying a lot out here, uh, of anything that he says to you, well, you need to deal with your pride, you need to deal with your whatever else. After I've done that, then, then I can, then I can pray for others. And then I can sort all the stuff out of my pocket, like a little boy. This is the snails and nails that I'm dealing with today. Uh, this is what I got to face this decisions I've got to make. And then I can face the day. Um, there's a book that I've written. If I could be so bold as to mention yes. transforming your personal prayer life. And it's actually how to spend an hour with God based on Paul's concise theology of prayer. And uh, you can get it at uh, uh, on Amazon. You can get it at livepublications.org. Uh, uh, mm. And I love what you said a moment ago that you know you would never. So many people talk about, you know, I want to hear the voice of God during the day. And I'm constantly telling them, are you priming your heart early in the morning? Because that's that's how you hear God in aisle five at Walmart. <laughs> When, when when God prompts you to go pray for someone or talk to someone is, is you have to, you have to, what I call priming the pump. That's what, that's what that early morning time with God is for me. It's, it's priming the pump and that being still, um, I was, I was talking to Brian Keasley recently who wrote um, part of the 24 seven prayer movement and his, and his latest book is called be still um, a simple guide to, to, to quiet time. And, and he, he titled it be still because of the fact that, in our in our culture, we don't do that well. Boy, right. We 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 want to pray on the go. We want to study the Bible on the go. We want to do our one minute devotional audio in the car. Yeah. But it's that that being still, where you prime your heart and you open the Word and you listen to God speak, and then that's how you sensitize your heart. And and so what we did at the rooftop as as a result of that challenge, um, we were just taking people to rooftop encounters. So now we've actually developed a four-part video series called Pursuing the Heart of God for, for, for people to walk through before they ever get to the rooftop just to begin helping them understand what does it mean to be still and prime my heart so I can hear the voice of God and, and pursue that relationship so when I get to the rooftop, I can actually hear him when I'm saying, what do you see when you see my city? Um, and it's and it's um and and it's so I mean that is that is so critical so critical. You know it's interesting. Uh, when Peter went up to the rooftop, it was an hour of prayer. Yes, but he took a nap. <laughs> so, so, so you maybe maybe we shouldn't be feel sleep uh, uh, guilty about sleeping through a prayer meeting. You know, uh, <laughs> he's, he's and, and in this process, God broke in on him and revealed Himself. This this thing of being still and being quiet. Boy, it is so difficult for us um, action-driven Westerners, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. It is. It is so. It is so difficult. But man, I thank you for taking time today. We're going to have Doug back in in the future because he and I are both of an incredible movement called Prayer of the Heart. So I just want to kind of um, just pique your interest because stay tuned because in the future we'll have Doug back because this is a a movement of prayer that we're praying will impact not just the nation, but the world um, based on an event that took place already nationally this past um, several months ago that we're hoping is going to replicate. So you're going to hear more about that in the days ahead. But but I'd love for you just to pray for us and pray uh, for God to give us an increasing hunger for him. I pray for those that that are right now saying, I man, I, I really want to have this type of relationship with God where I hear his voice 
And I really understand that that prayer is about worship, not just about my list. And man, would you just close us out with prayer and just pray for us today, Doug? Father, we are, um, as a nation, desperate for you, desperate for your presence. We're desperate for you to break in and reveal yourself. Sadly, our culture has pushed you aside in favor of all kind of other uh, notions of God. Um, a kind of a humanistic paganism has emerged among us. And even in churches, only 62%, according to one survey of pastors, believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We are in trouble. And so we just pray that you would assert yourself and declare to America that you are not, this faith that Christ left us with is not a philosophy. You are a living God. Pray for pastors that they would have a hunger to you, for you like they've never had. And they would introduce you to their culture. We pray that all of us would live in a thin space where you are not distant and removed and far away from us, but we are sensing your presence. Even in the night when we awaken, we sense your presence. And we become the, the, uh, those who are given the glorious privilege of introducing not only prayer, not only words, but your presence to other people. How often is it that we give the gift of prayer to people who don't believe and the tears stream down their face because they sense your presence. This is the great privilege of intercession. So God, help us to do it more and more. We speak a blessing over John's effort and, and uh, rooftop, um, USA, rooftop uh, North America, and that all over the nation, thousands in thousands of cities, uh, people will gather at some place, some vantage place, and begin to see their city as a harvest field and begin to make a difference. Get, help us to get out of our churches and build invisible altars everywhere where you send your fire and you send your glory. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. For those of you that are watching, um, you visit projectpray.org. Um, you can learn more about what's happening with Project Pray. And also, if you follow Project Pray on Facebook, um, there are three times a week that Doug teaches um, at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings at present. And you can um, listen to some great teaching on prayer and, and how to draw closer to God and what God's doing across America and really around the globe. Exciting things are happening. So, Doug, thank you for joining us today. And, um, man, we look forward to having you back in the future to talk more about what's going to be happening at Prayer on the Heart in the years to come. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. It's been Thank an you, honor. Brother. God bless. Michael, I love <laughs> Doug. I love hearing him teach. I love hearing him talk about prayer. Um, he is so passionate about prayer and, make, and making sure that people understand what prayer is. And, yeah. and so one of the things that, that he always says about prayer that is, I think the very first takeaway we have to discuss today is that the heart of prayer is worship. The heart of prayer is communion with God and that the edge of prayer is always mission. And in between communion and mission, God meets our needs. Yep. I, I think that is one of the most concise, 
definitions of understanding prayer. The heart of prayer is worship, communion. The edges of prayer are always mission. And in between, God meets our needs. I, I, mic drop. <laughs> yeah. I, Doug's one of those guys, he says more in 10 words than everybody else says in 100. Yes. It, it, every word is packed with meaning. And, and and you watch his his whole demeanor. He lights up when he talks about it. This is the delight of his relationship with God is his prayer time. Mm-hmm. And, and it shows in what he's what he's what he told us, what he does. And, and I love the statement that he made. It's one of those where you take a a, 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 a soft rubber hammer and beat me over the head. When he says, if you're not behaving your beliefs, then you're not believing your beliefs. Oh, wow. If you're yeah. Not, if you're not putting into practice, and, and, and if you're not in if you're not in the in the prayer room, if you're not in the worship and the communion with God till you're hearing him and then living out of that, then you don't believe what you say you believe because you're not believing if you're not doing. Yeah. And I'm, it, goes, and, it goes back to James. It's just this little bitty, this little bitty short phrase is packed with so much depth and meaning to it. If you're not behaving your beliefs, then you're not really believing what you call your beliefs. Amen. It goes back to to James. Yeah. Yeah. Faith without works is dead. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to know your faith by your works. And, you know, if you say, I believe this, but you're not walking it out, then there's a problem. Yep. There's a huge problem. And you're right. Again, that's one of those statements that just very few words, but says so much about our walk and makes makes us all sit back and ask ourselves, am I behaving what I believe? Am I am I living it out? Um, How many of us us have gone in (laughs) to a space in our house and built an eight by eight room? So that we have a place that can call to us that we'll go be there. That that's that's behaving your beliefs. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's it's, it's exciting. And one of the things I love about Doug, um, he's so practical. Um, and he starts talking about what does this look like. And so the first thing he talks about is you create a place of prayer, which is for him that eight by eight room that he created. Um, you know, you find you find that place. It may be a chair. It may be the end of a couch. Um, it may it could it could be a, a designated room in your house. But you find that place of prayer. And then I love how he begins to talk to people. Here's how you have this time with God. You read a passage. Um, you meditate on that passage. You yep. pray it back with to God. You wrestle with that passage. And and so one of the things that I love about Doug that Doug taught me years ago is. This whole thing of praying the Bible, that the Bible is your prayer book. So you take scripture and you pray scripture, you pray it back to God, and then you listen, you be still, you listen to what God is saying to you. And, and one of the things he said, which I loved, I've never thought about much. And again, this really um, just really stuck out to me when I listened to this interview again, when he said, when I put a boundary around my time with God, I'm putting a boundary around my entire day which I, I, what a powerful statement because now I'm inviting God into the day and I'm putting a boundary around my time with God. I'm protecting that time. But because of that, now I'm walking in God's favor. I'm walking in God's delight. I'm walking in what God 
wants to do in my life during the course of the day. Um, and, and out of that seeking him, I intercede and I petition. Yeah. It's just yeah. so much in there about, um, about prayer. So man, what a great, what a great conversation with, um, with Doug. And so I hope today that this is going to help you as you begin a new year, um, next week, um, that you will just begin to pray and ask God, God, what do I need to be spending more time doing more time uh, yep. in prayer, more time in the word and just begin asking God to speak to you in that. One of the things um, I do want to mention to you as we get into this new year, um, we're going to be entering it with an emphasis with Doug Small and a number of other leaders, including myself, called the 21 days of prayer. And this will begin January 1st. Um, is a, it is a prayer call that you call in each night and you see the number there in the graphic 518-318-7117 and each night different ones of us will be hosting the evening including um, Tom Phillips from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Claude King um, who helped write Experiencing God years ago and has written so many incredible books on revival and prayer and awakening um, David Nixon, who was our guest um, several weeks ago yep. here on Rooftop Perspectives. Um, Gerard Long, who leads Prayer of the Heart. Larry Lane, um, who um, is an amazing, amazing man of God that that um, has just spent so much time studying revivals and awakenings around the world. Um, he and George Otis. And there'll be some other special guests with us as well. So we want to encourage you to be a part of the 21 Days of Prayer, a national call to prayer. And in the podcast, Doug mentioned his book, Transforming Your Personal Prayer Life. We want to encourage you um, to also go get a copy of this book. You can go to projectpray.org and, and get it right off of their website. Or you can go to Amazon and find it on Amazon as well. It is an amazing book that I know God will use in your life to help you develop a, a stronger prayer life as you enter 2024. So, so thank you for taking time to join us today on Rooftop Perspectives. As always, please share this with others. Um, follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on our YouTube channel. Let people know about this. If you're watching this or listening to this on Spotify or, or Apple or any other platform, please leave a review because that helps push it out to other people so they become aware of this podcast. In 2024 and the early parts of January, we'll be actually launching a new YouTube channel um, just for this podcast that'll be called Rooftop Perspectives. So you'll be listening up and we'll give you more details about that when it launches. If you want to know more about the ministry of The Rooftop, visit our website, therooftop.org. Learn more about um, what God is doing through The Rooftop around the globe as we are committed to making a million disciples in a hundred countries. And as we're teaching people how to join Jesus in his mission in their everyday life. And last but not least, in March of 2024, join us for the Rooftop Discipleship Summit. And you can go to the rooftop.org slash summit and learn more information about the summit in Dallas, Texas. And Cesar Kalinowski, who's also been one of our guests, will be one of our guest speakers at that summit as we look at what does it mean to make disciples beyond the walls of our church buildings. So thank you for joining us today. We hope you have an incredible weekend as you prepare for a new year. And so let me say in advance, Michael, happy new years and to you and all of our guests and all of those watching today. God bless you and have an amazing 2024. We'll see you next week on the other side of the calendar. 
God bless. Yeah.